Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics, Baby Lock, and Northcott. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today. So let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat Sloan. There is so much good information today. We're going to have a blast. And we're starting out with a wonderful shop owner, Cheryl Johnson, who owns Temecula Quilt Company out in California. If you have been following all the fun things she does, she has quite a passion for not just making quilts, but sharing her process and what she does and getting people involved. And I don't, I don't even know, Cheryl, how long I have been following you, but it's been a long time. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. So when did you uh, open your store? Um, In 2007. Okay. It's been almost 13 years now. Yay, lucky 13. (laughs) Let's hope so. (laughs) Yeah. So did you always want to own a a store? Uh, You know, no, not really. Um, It just kind (laughs) of came to be my husband retired early at the you know early age of 45 and I was like okay it's my turn now so I was finished you know basically raising my kids and doing the PTA thing and volunteering and so I just went out and got myself a job <laughs> <laughs> built your own job wait so you yes, quilt- exactly so you'd already been a, a quilt maker Oh, yes, definitely. So for many, many years and, you know, started sewing when I was nine and made some little quilts when I was a kid. So, yeah, I'd been doing sewing and creating for many years. So why did you pick, you're in California, why did you, uh, is this where you live then? So you picked a location near home? Right. I'm just like three miles down the road from my shop (laughs) and the commute is very short and beautiful in Temecula and that's why I picked it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes total sense. If you're going to start something fun to do, be sure you don't have a long commute, you know? Exactly. <laughs> oh, that would just suck all the fun right out of it. <laughs> yeah, it sure would. Um, you know, so you're right now the quotes that you're making are are, you know, pretty consistent in style. You're, it's what you like. Have, have you always sewn in the particular, with particular fabrics you're doing now? Yeah, basically the, um, the friend of mine that taught me to quilt, like, officially back, mm-hmm. you know, 25 years ago, that was her passion, and so it just kind of became mine, and I try every now and then to maybe go outside the box a little bit, but then I'm always going right back inside you know just <laughs> I just love the whole like picking an antique quilt and really like trying to recreate it with the fabrics I have and so you know everyone you know there's just enough people that love that too so mm-hmm. why not if it's not broke don't fix it you know right. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I do find that people who work in, I'll call it a reproduction uh, fabric style, um, they tend to be quite passionate about that style and they decorate their home that way. And, you know, it's just a whole lifestyle. Is that the same for you? Like, is your home sort of have these warm, cozy uh, Well, no, colors? my home is pretty minimalist. And um, we just remodeled and, I mean, basically everything in my house is white and fresh and kind of farmhouse looking and then my yeah. quilts are just really able to pop off the walls and you know ha- you know really be the stars because everything is just so neutral so you know it's just um I just I just love the colors I love the colors especially the ones I'm creating you know in my new fabric lines that um are just a little bit brighter more what a reproduction quilt would be before it's faded and what we mm-hmm. see it as today like mm-hmm. what it would have started out as not yeah. that's you know that's really interesting Cheryl because I think people forget that when they look at an old quilt they have faded quite a bit right you have like you know your browns are looking purple you know it's just all mm-hmm. different things and so I like you know people don't think that civil war is bright because they think oh it's just blue and gray and brown mm-hmm. but they were using, you know, the acid greens, the, you know, bright yellows, all those colors. They mm-hmm. just might not be what you think they are, you know, what you think they use, but 
that's where it all started. <laughs> all yeah. these bright modern colors, they started during the Civil War. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's really hard. To, and some of the patterns are really quite um, contemporary. You know, you look at them and you right. think, wow, they're not all like, fussy old looking patterns in in no. vintage yeah. in old clothes. So where who's your fabric line with? It's with Marcus Brothers. Oh, or Marcus yeah. Fabrics, I should say. That's yeah. the official okay. term. Yeah. <laughs> now they're they're quite they're just beautiful. How how long have you been designing uh fabric now? Well my first line was just released a couple months ago and oh, okay. um and then my next line will be out in August and yeah it's just like Super fun. I mean, yes. just adding a whole new, like, life to, you know, 13 years in business, you're like, uh, kind of just going yeah. along and doing your thing. But this is just really, like, giving mm-hmm. it a whole new excitement for me, especially, you know, the, with the fabric and the books. And I can just kind of do, I can have them make me exactly what I want to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... <laughs> Right, you can you can uh, pick what you can't find. You know, being a exactly. shop owner, you see yeah. so many. And being things. a shop yeah. owner, right? And being a shop owner of a store that carries only reproduction right. fabrics, I know what I can't find. So mm-hmm. it makes right. it really great to just be able to do what I want to do. So you know, very I fun. followed your blog, and we're you know that was before Instagram. You've been blogging a long time. Um, what types of things are you sharing out there for for your customers and you know those of us who like sort of drool over your pictures? You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, I just try to share you know equal amounts of like free information, free sew alongs, you know, mm-hmm. you know, peppered in with you know stuff I'm trying to sell, obviously, because I gotta. Right pay the bills and stay in business, but I just try to, you know, provide inspiration for people, not necessarily that you have to buy it from me. Use what you have. Use your scraps and mm-hmm. use your stuff up, and um, it's just a really, it's fun for me to do the sew-alongs and, you know, have people comment back and forth, but then it's also an avenue for me to advertise, basically, and, um, you know, I don't do any, like, monetizing or advertising for other people. I just use it basically as, right. like, my newsletter. It's my newsletter. Right. I just right. can keep it more current, and I don't have to write it every month and have it be out of date before I get it finished, you know. Right, so. right. Well, now, the books that you've done are are smaller. The first book was Quirky Little Quilts, um, and I know you have a second one coming out now with Martin Gale. When, you know, how, how long have you been doing small quilts? Because that's one of the things that I think, maybe not small quilts, but small blocks, and now smaller quilts. You know, how has that sort of evolved for you? You know, I don't really exactly know where it happened, but I think it just kind of came out of a... Um necessity to, you know, you can't make queen and king size quilts all day long. <laughs> and my shop cannot hold on display all those big quilts. So mm-hmm. many years ago, I started my monthly mini club where um, I send out a mini kit every month to the club members. And I started off using patterns that other people had written and, you know, was using it. And then I, all of a sudden, I'm just like, well, I can... Just write mm-hmm. these patterns myself. That's kind of the beginning of my pattern writing. And so mm-hmm. I just started, you know, scouring Pinterest for cute little doll quilts and reproducing them with what I had in the shop. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mail out 150 of those every month and love seeing them on Instagram, people actually making them. And mm-hmm. it's a super fun way to just get a taste of like a little line of fabric where you don't want to make something big. And I have those things like stuffed everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they can store a little easier to have. Yes, them. they can. They don't take up closets full, you know, of mm-hmm. quilts and they take a lot of time and money to make the big quilts. Obviously, when you're trying to sell fabric, you want to sell bigger quilts, but I think in the long run, you know, it all right. works itself out. <laughs> right. Uh, do you have a tip, um, for using smaller, uh, pieces for people? Um, I just think, um, basically I make as many pieces as I can make a little bit larger and then square them up to be perfect before I sew them into a block or, um, 
piece them into a quilt. And then you just have to really, you know, your machine plays a big part in um, being sure that your fabric feeds nicely through it. You know, either use a little leader and an ender to get it to feed evenly and not chunk mm-hmm. it down in the hole. But mm-hmm. um, so I think that plays a big part. It's frustrating for people who are maybe sewing on a machine that does that consistently and they're just like, I can't do these small things. But it's right. really just, um, it's the same process as sewing a bigger block. To me now, when I go mm-hmm. to sew a bigger block, I can't get that thing to come out square for <laughs> nothing because it's like so big. So um, it is a little bit of practice, but it's really not as hard as it looks. Yeah. Uh, so tell people where what your location is in uh, of your physical shop so they can come visit. Okay, so I'm in Temecula, California. I um, at, I'm at 33353 Temecula Parkway. Um, and, yep, we're in beautiful Temecula Valley, and there's a huge wine country out there right beyond the store, and it's a great place to come spend the weekend. It sounds so fabulous, Cheryl. This has been so much fun, and everybody needs to come and watch your photos. You do gorgeous close-up photos that are just wonderful. Eye candy, really eye candy, Cheryl. Yeah, and if you can't come for a visit, definitely follow me on my blog. Um, That's TemeculaQuiltCo.blogspot.com, and you'll feel like you're here. You you will. You definitely will. I always do. Thank you, Cheryl. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, This is American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. We'll be right back after the break. Layer cakes, jelly rolls, honey buns, and turnovers. Oh my! Inspiration for your favorite Moda Fabrics pre-cuts are just a click away at the Moda Bake Shop. Search the vast catalog of free patterns by project type or by pre-cut. The Bake Shop chefs are also cooking up fun all year long to celebrate the Bake Shop's 10th anniversary with quilt-alongs, giveaways, challenges, and sewing tips. Visit modabakeshop.com for all the fun. We know our listeners love a good deal. We have a special offer just for our podcast listeners. Get 50% off a downloadable pattern of your choice in our online shop. Visit apqshop.com, add a digital pattern to your cart, and enter coupon code PODCAST at checkout. Then get quilting. Visit our show notes for more details. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat Sloan. If you are not familiar with Karen Gibbs, you will be by the end of our chat. She has done just about every job there is in quilt making, and I am just super excited because she is very creative, and I want you to know a lot more about Karen and what she does, and particularly with batiks. So hi, Karen. How are you doing? Hi, Pat. Good. It's um, it's kind of cold and chilly here in Denver where my uh, design studio is. We've got snow, believe it or not. I cannot believe snow. I saw that. <laughs> I was like, that is just crazy. Maya, I'm not going back to snow yet. Not ready. Um <laughs> So, so Karen, you have a very long fiber career. You know, you've done a lot of different things. Did you start out, um, like, did you go to college for fiber? Yes, I actually went for textile design. And um, while I was going to school, I I had a job designing sweaters, kind of those oh. those holiday sweaters with the Santas or the pumpkins <laughs> all over them. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, it was. It was. Kind of a fun job, you know, the little turtlenecks and, and that kind of stuff that went with it. Um, so I I actually started quilting when I worked for um, that particular company. Um, it was fantastic walking into a quilt shop and having all your entire color palette was um, already yeah. blended for you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. where you got the, the quilting bug where you were like, 
gonna do this because you've done a lot of different jobs within within the quilting yeah. include you've written patterns uh, you've done books uh you know you've long armed uh, yeah so, yeah so well i started i mean when i was doing those sweaters you know if you look at a sweater graph um a lot of us are uh, quilters are knitters we're creators um and you're familiar with the sweater graph and if you're moving color around within a certain contained area you know you you know um you then recognize how to do a barcello don't you um <laughs> because that that is exactly what it is um so if you're putting a pumpkin on the front of a, a female sweater there's certain areas that you probably wouldn't put it uh, <laughs> so <laughs> You know, so um, my Bargello or my version of Bargello, it was called Bits of Bargello and it was published with AQS, is that kind of thing, containing Bargello within a certain certain area. But that's that's exactly when I got into quilting. I just it was such I couldn't I couldn't find enough books or, or <laughs> uh, guilds or anything to belong to um, that were quilting related. I just had to belong to everything. <laughs> Everything, right? It's a typical quilter, right? With yes. we have <laughs> all to do in. it all, all in, right? So, how did you? You're now with um, Banyan Batiks. How did you mm-hmm. get introduced to batiks? Uh, because you're a designer of batiks. Yes, yes, I'm uh, the design director for Banyan uh, Batiks, and. Um, we all we all play with everything. Every certain kind, you know, um, we try when we're first exploring quilting. We try different aspects of fabric. And coming from my perspective, where I was designing clothing, we always had to shop the wovens and the knits to go with the sweaters that we had designed. Um, so every season, and there were three seasons, we'd have these headers or these swatches, and they were basically about sizes of fat quarters, printed mm-hmm. velvets and flannels and all of this kind of thing. And it was heartbreaking because you needed to throw them out at the end mm-hmm. of the season. And yeah. as a quilter, we don't throw them out. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. That's, what? You can use so, that. Um, it's only a quarter of an inch wide. We can use it. That's like <laughs> Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so I would, um, I just, Started playing with fabric, and uh, and I'm a throwback, I guess. You know, like the uh, Victorians would put every kind of fabric together. Um, so I kind of did that. I um, found a passion for batiks, um, probably the the organic process, the handmade. Uh, you know, every single one is going to be different, and um, so I had a I had a passion for for the batiks and the mixing of color. Um, that was really a big deal to me because all the colors for batiks are, it's mixed in buckets. It's not a computerized system. Um, right. So it's its really, you know, interesting to see what you can get and the applications that, that you learn in textile design school that, oh, my goodness, I can apply to uh, designing batiks. So I guess that's probably why I was drawn in that way. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me a little bit, Karen, about the difference between how you think about designing a, a print on cotton to how you design something that's on batiks? Because it is a different process. Yeah. Um, batiks are, it, it, you start with a line drawing. So you're starting with a black and white image. Um, the design has to be strong as a line drawing. You're not going to be able to add color and just have it stand up. Um, so you also have to worry about the size of the, the points or, or the size of the line mm-hmm. and the space mm-hmm. between the line because when the, um, when the chop, which is, is what is made out of your line drawing, made out of copper and wood, and when it's dipped into wax, that wax is hot. That wax is wet. It's going to seep mm-hmm. into the fabric. So you have to be aware of that, or you're going to have just a mushy mess. Um, and then, you know, for me, when I'm looking at, at, at drawing uh, collections, I put together uh, collections for batik. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I really, yeah, I really focus on, okay, what is, you know, what is trending? What is exciting to quilters? And when I say mm-hmm. trending, I mean trending with quilters. What are we looking to? What's our right. passion right now? <laughs> and how would we use it? Um, a lot of times the cheeks, they're, um, the line drawings that uh, are typical with the cheeks are more two-dimensional. And think about 
for instance, when you, when we were first drawing uh, like a sun, we would take a circle and draw lines mm-hmm. out of the sun. Okay. And then when we were introduced to things like pastels, all of a sudden, um, you couldn't do that. It was smudges. And it was right. more the hint of it, or like a Monet painting, um, that kind of thing, where dabs of stuff. And I kind of am drawn to that. What can I make it look like the sun, but not necessarily a, a two-dimensional drawing of it? Right. You know, one of the things about batiks is they have a little bit, uh, for those people who haven't really explored it yet, take a look next time you're in a quilt shop because the colorations are a little bit different than you would find on the cottons. Things blend a lot more, right, Karen? Yes, things um, blend. You can do, for instance, another another thing, back to your question, how are um, batiks different than cotton? Um they they blend beautifully. You can choose um, like four to five colors that are in the background that can blend together, and then the same amount in the motif. That but you have to. It's like a watercolor painting of a right. cake is versus an acrylic painting where mm-hmm. acrylic you're layering. Uh, the color, and where batik, it's, okay, how are these going to marry? How are they going to mm-hmm. blend together? Because it's a liquid process. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, it just, it can have more of a little bit watery feel. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, you know, and I, it appeals to so many people. They love that, uh, I don't know, the sort of texture or that it gives your quilt. And, you know, I mix the cottons and batiks together. So if there's some people, uh, like over, when I first started Karen is like, people are like, oh no, you can't mix a batik with a, with a cotton. But uh, it's like, why? They're, you know, they, they do work really well together. I love that. Yeah. I love that, that kind of blend of it. Um, I think you're, you're taking, two different looks and, and um, melding them. And that's what quilting is all about, isn't it? It's, it's, it's taking, I mean, we used to take all the scraps and throw them in a bag and, and <laughs> sew them together, you know? <laughs> right, right. So, so is there yeah. one tip, um, we don't have too much more time left, is there one tip for working with a batik people should know about that might be different than working with a quilt and cotton? Um, batik for applique are unbelievable. They will mm-hmm. give such a nice, crisp finish mm-hmm. to your applique when you're applying it. Um, I would say, I would say definitely um, try that out. I would also say take that batique. Um, I have uh, some in our uh, release this spring. We did plaid, which is just innovative mm-hmm. and different. And take that and use it as a background. Take that that. Um, crazy, fun, exciting batik and use it as the background and then do something maybe um, with the cotton as the foreground. Reverse it. Play with mm-hmm. value there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there one color that's that's uh, kind of your favorite color right now? Your in your your trending color maybe? <laughs> oh my goodness, it's like saying what's your favorite child? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not fair. <laughs> Um, I I just adore um, I adore the citrus uh, yellow and um, I love orange and then like a rich deep red with it. It's just my favorite. I try and behave and and not try and put it in every single um, collection. Um, I'm that's very difficult. <laughs> right, right. I know. Is that when you love a color, it's like let's use it all the time. Let's put it yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so Karen, this has been super fun. Uh, I really love hearing that process. It is something quilters can't get enough of, you know, to understand how those beautiful fabrics are made. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's, I'm, I'm just crazy for boutiques. I love talking about them. <laughs> yeah. And everybody can, uh, Karen has a website for her personal work called thequiltstudio.com. And then uh, you can also check out Banyan Batiks, and you can see all of the work that she's in charge of over there. Thank you, Karen. Thanks so much, Pat. Have a great day. You too. We'll be right back after the break.
My sewing machine is the heart and soul of my design process, and working on a machine that clicks with me makes it easy for me to create. That's why I use a variety of baby lock machines, especially the Crescendo. Baby Lock has thought through everything I need to have to create amazing quilts. I love that the control panel on my Crescendo is so intuitive and easy to use. Best of all, it's large enough to see clearly. The Crescendo's features remind me that everything Baby Lock does is for the love of sewing. Make your next quilt project a piece of cake using cake mix recipes from Moda Fabrics. This unique triangle paper is designed to work in conjunction with Moda's 10-inch square and 5-inch square pre-cuts that make baking a layer cake or charm square quilt easier than ever. Each pad includes enough sheets for each piece in your pre-cut stack, including a few extras for practice, plus a few simple block and layout ideas. Just mix with one or two Moda layer cakes or charm packs and you're ready to start stitching. Pick up ingredients for cake and cupcake mix recipes at your local quilt shop. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. I... I am so excited to talk about scraps because I believe that every quilter is, uh, we don't, we, we like to keep them. Maybe you keep only big scraps, maybe you keep tiny scraps, but Ann Weens is here to chat scraps and all other things with me because she is an amazing maker and you've probably seen her work out on the Moda Bake Shop and she's an island boutique ambassador. So you've been following her work. So hi, Ann. How are you? Hi, Pat. Hi. Hi. We are a scrappy bunch, aren't we? I know. Quilters just love fabric, and it's, it's really hard to get rid of it. Oh, and, and it hurts to use that last little bit <laughs> of a favorite fabric. Have you found that? I, I just always feel a little sad when it's, oh, i to use this one for something special. I know, and I've kept them, like to put a little scrap in the border, like a scrappy, it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, there it, there it goes. It's the last yeah, one. That's it. Um, that's the last one. Right. So when you started making quilts, did you did you originally have this love for keeping every little bit? You know, I, I actually began quilting because I had a pile of scraps. Oh. <laughs> My mother had sewn. Of course, I, I come from a long line of needlewomen. My uh, grandmothers both quilted and and my mom sewed all of our clothes when we were growing up because, you know, back then it was less expensive if you're trying to keep uh, four kids covered up. It's Mm -hmm. less expensive to make clothes than to go out and buy them. And so she had scraps, and and I played with them when I was little and made little things for my dolls and stuff. And and, uh, when I was in high school, I decided I wanted a quilt for my bed, and by then I was making a lot of my own clothes, so I had my own scraps, and, (laughs) and that's how it began. I always find it fascinating how many people actually quilted as teenagers, you know, and, and it's because that never, I'd never seen a quilt or heard of one until I was an adult. So I just uh, didn't know anybody that did that. I would have loved well, that. Well, see, I had grown up around sewing and, and like I said, my, my grandmother's both quilted. So, yeah. you know, it wasn't, uh, but it wasn't until I was in high school that I actually decided I wanted to make one. And of mm-hmm. course I I did not ask for advice. I just went off on my own, bought uh, Ruby McKim's 101 patchwork patterns and made oh, my little cool. cardboard templates. And my, mm-hmm. my poor mother and sisters couldn't sit down to watch TV, but I'd throw a pile of scraps at them and say, mark and cut. <laughs> That's so funny. That's uh, well, you know, one of the things you told me, Anne, was that you you sort of make a difference for your work between scrappy quilts and scrap quilts. Uh, yeah, and so I'm not what, not trying to be snobbish about that, no, but there no. is a difference. Yeah, I, 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 you know, when I read that out loud, you know, when I just said it, I'm like, I get it. Tell me how that how you interpret that. Well, scrappy quilts, and 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 I love them too. But generally, when we talk about a scrappy quilt, it's you've you've purchased um, a selection of pre-cuts or you know fat quarters. They're all from the same line, so the colors all coordinate, the the patterns all coordinate, and you get a lovely quilt that has a lot of variety in it. Whereas a scrap quilt is you're digging into those leftover pieces from other projects, and you know maybe it it matches, maybe it doesn't. Um, you can come up with some really 
uh, funky combinations. In fact, there have been times where I've tried to see just just how weird a color combination I can put together and, you know, make yourself use those those stripes with the polka dots that your mother said you'd never put those two things together. Right. Why not? It's a quilt. Right. You know, I always term that uh, when I'm talking to people, like in a class or something, I'll, I'll ask them, are you a hardcore scrap quilter? And right. that's sort of how I make the difference where somebody who will put like the, the uh, you know, floral fabric with the, with the children's print, the Disney print, or, you know, and, and brights with muted, everything goes in the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. they, a lot of people can't do it. What make, what do you find, you know, it they just hard. can't their own, you know, they like to have it a little bit more controlled. What do you find makes a really successful uh, scrap quilt? Well, it, it depends what you're going for. Um, mm-hmm. a, a really good website is a, a friend of mine, uh, Diane Harris used to be with Quiltmaker Magazine. She's the stash bandit, and mm-hmm. she comes up with some really wild... In fact, I, I dubbed one of her quilts Wild Abandoned because <laughs> she just can pick out two pieces and put it together. Normally, if I'm making blocks, the colors kind of go within the block. I can put blocks together that don't necessarily match in a quilt, mm-hmm. but within the block, I, I have some kind of coherence there. Mm-hmm. And so to be totally random, I, I haven't mastered that yet. I'm working yeah. on it. And, in <laughs> fact, I, I had one of the blog posts that late last year that I was playing with that, and, and a friend of mine who just could not get random with this one one block. So we, we mm-hmm. kind of tweaked it a little bit so it had a little bit of, of uh, order to it, but still was a little random. Right. It, it is hard for people. I mean, I think the, the more that somebody likes very symmetrical work, uh, also it's just hard to put in all that randomness. It's uh, right. They like it when they see it. They just, as my one friend says, I just can't do it myself. You know, yeah, like, the more you play with it, the, 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 the easier it gets. I will say mm-hmm. that. And I do encourage people a lot with the scraps to play with them because mm-hmm. they're scraps. You know, you're mm-hmm. not out any money. If right. you don't like it, I can see not wanting to go out and buy fabric to put a project together that you're not sure you're going to, or not pretty sure you're going to like the, uh, the end, but, but just find a block that you like and just dig into your scrap pile and just play. What if you put this pink with that purple, you know, what mm-hmm. if this pattern goes with that pattern, even though they, they really clash, um, mm-hmm. It scraps and just set the blocks aside. You don't even need a project in mind. And sooner or later, you're going to have a call for, you know, a, a charity quilt or, you know, something for an emergency. You've got blocks to put together. Yeah, it's a really good. That's a really good idea. Okay, everybody. Anne's giving you an assignment. Yeah, you can play. do it. <laughs> just go play. So what speak sort of like taking that uh, sort of a, to a, to another place like the play part being an island boutique ambassador uh, you, you are all doing some really really fun and interesting uh, projects this year maybe you can tell tell us a little bit about that well the island boutique ambassador program imagine this twice a year there appears on your front porch this big box and <laughs> it's it's like 22 23 24 pounds of fabric, and we get Hoffman battings, and mm-hmm. uh, Aurafil sends us threads, and all they ask is that we make a project every month, yeah, and with with those, this wonderful stuff, and they give us an assignment each month, so there's a challenge, and um, like the last one I completed here was uh, make was vintage reimagined, where we were to take a vintage quilt and use that as inspiration to come up with something a little more modern. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you use your island batik fabrics. And we also, in those boxes, get uh, lines of fabric that nobody else has seen yet. Oh, fun. That we, yeah, we have uh, yeah. fabrics that will be coming to your stores probably um, late summer. Mm-hmm. And we have them now. We are not allowed to show them to anybody. But we have to come up with a project that will will be on the uh, the big blog hop coming up in August. But there are some marvelous fifty of us, the ambassadors a, uh, this year, that's and a big all number. around the world. <laughs> yeah. That is a huge number. That's a big investment. And this year they added AccuQuilt, 
Mm. Imagine our surprise when they didn't tell us originally that these were coming. They sent us all the Ready, Set, Go AccuQuilt. Wow. And so the April uh, project was we had to use the AccuQuilt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, darn, right? Oh, darn. Yeah, to... yeah, doggone. And I already yeah. had one, actually, when I when I did my book. Um, AccuQuilt was just coming out, and so I didn't know about it when I wrote my scrapbook. Mm-hmm. But... Um, the pieces that I use in the book, because I, I do my own little pre-cuts, mm-hmm. the pieces that I use in the book, there were, were AccuQuilt dies for all of those sizes. So my publisher actually contacted AccuQuilt, and they put a little badge on the, the cover of the book, and they sell it on their website, too. So. That's fabulous. You can use What's your AccuQuilt your to pre-cut all your scraps, so you don't have to yeah. cut them individually, piece at a time. When you decide what you want to do with them, you just cut them up and put them in storage bins, and when you want to sew, you're ready to go. So, And people can find out about what you're doing. Give us your blog name. My blog is Seems Like a Plan, which I Mm -hmm. spelled it S-E-A-M-S. I thought it was terribly clever at the time. And uh, (laughs) it's at WordPress.com. Yeah, so everybody can find uh, you know all these projects that Anne is doing, um, and link over to her Moda Bake Shop. I just want to tell them where you know where they can get all these things. Right, so, ModaBakeShop.com. Yeah. So we have well about two minutes. What what um, tips do you? What is your favorite tip? Like, what do you tell people that when they sort of get like, ah, what's your favorite tip to make all this work? Well, my my big tip because I'm one who likes to get my seams to line up properly and stuff. Pin is not a four-letter word. <laughs> okay. My my dirty little secret is that I press my seams open. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow. it was fun when I do trunk shows. A lot of times I'll have at least one or two tops that haven't been quilted yet. And, and somebody always asks about my seams being pressed open. It just It's the way I've always done it. You know, by mm-hmm. the time somebody told me you're supposed to press them to one side, I'd been doing it my way and didn't mm-hmm. seem like... There was a good excuse to to not do it that way. And uh, somebody always comes up at the end and and whispers, I press my seams open, too. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm finding more and more, more and more even the big names are are talking about doing that. So they lie flatter, and and, uh, I think uh, a lot of times long-arm machines tend to like not having quite as much bulk in some of those corners, so. Yeah, and and I think if you've come from garment making, that was a comfort mm-hmm. zone. That too. was the I mean, way you did it. You know, so I I you know converted to side seams. I did garments first, but yeah, that's a every if nobody's tried it, you should. You know, if you haven't tried it, see what see if you Sometimes like it. It works better. Yeah. Oh, and this has been so much fun. What's well, been a kick, Pat? I I've seen you at market a couple of times, and you know, just enough to say hi. Probably have talked to the shipping department more than you, but <laughs> well, well, he says hi back, so that's, yeah. that's Pat's husband, by the way. That's right, know. that's my husband, the shipping department, Greg, Greg yeah. Sloan. So, Ann Weems, thank you so much for uh, sharing some scrap uh, tips. Uh, this has been great, Pat. Thanks for calling. We'll hopefully talk to you later. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. This is American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. We'll be right back after the break. want to talk for a minute about BabyLock. They're passionate about sewing, and they're the most knowledgeable group that I've worked with. They want to make all of our experiences successful. BabyLock is wonderfully realistic when it comes to their machine lineup. They have a range of machines in various categories and a variety of features. If you don't need a certain function, you can just find a machine that fits you. And best of all, they include my designs on the new Solaris. Get six issues of American Patchwork and Quilting a year delivered right to your door. Each issue is packed full of quilting patterns, how-to techniques, and tips and tricks from the editors and designers. And right now, we have a special deal for all of our podcast listeners. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash deal to subscribe. 
and enter coupon code PODCAST at checkout to get 60% off your subscription. Find the link in our show notes. You don't want to miss out. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan, and my friend Roseanne Kermis of Rosebud's Cottage is here for the last segment. And as usual, we find some sort of topic that is fun to do a deep dive in. And Roseanne and I were chatting about special occasion quilts because, Roseanne, it seems like spring, there's a lot of them. I know. It seems like everybody has a baby being born or a graduation to attend or, you know, weddings are coming up really quickly, and you, you got to get ready for those things. Yeah, <laughs> years in advance for wedding quilts. <laughs> 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 um, you know, so let's talk a little bit about the, the planning, because first of all, you yourself did a really uh, special quilt because your first grandchild was coming. Uh, so when, when was she born? Uh, she was born April 26th. Oh. A little girl after having three boys, so we're, we're pretty excited about that. Yes, um, yes. Boy mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thing about it, when I found out that um, they were going to have a baby, uh, shortly after that I was on my way to, to Houston, and I stopped in the Blue Top Quilt Shop in Lamar, Missouri, because it's on the way, and it's a, it's a great shop that I like to go in. And as soon as I walked in, I uh, zeroed in on the Bjorn Bear quilt from Elizabeth Hartman, and we, we, we live in White Bear Lake, so bears are kind of special to us, <laughs> and hi, uh, Katie and Alex met at high school at White Bear Lake High and have been sweethearts ever since, mm-hmm. and I just felt that I would make that bear quilt and turn all the faces white, yes. and then I used um, Moda's grunge to, to surround uh-huh. them, and it was a, a cute, cute quilt. It was fun to make. Um, I had, you know... Kind of close to my heart because of the white bears. I used mm-hmm. my um, my practice block and made a big giant pillow for them, and it was mm-hmm. exciting to see that sitting in the the rocker when we were down there a few weeks ago for the baby's birth. Yep. You know when you know you've had a lot of experience uh, when you uh, were had a shop for so many years with people coming in who wanted to make a special quilt like yours. You immediately had all these themes that you could pull on with the bear and where where you lived. But what did you do to help people that were a little bit struggling to get that concept together? Well, I, when I had the store, I always felt bad for women who came in who needed to make a quilt in a color combination that they either didn't like or they didn't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, they str- they struggled to choose a design or they struggled to choose fabric because they were kind of nervous about making sure that it was exactly what the person who was getting it received, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I always felt it was worse if the bride or the mom-to-be came along. Oh, yeah. They were, so per- <laughs> they were so particular and kind of, ru- yeah. kind of ruined the fun of it for the person making the quilt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they left with out anything, I often wonder if they even got a quilt made. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, one thing that really helped was to suggest that they go to the paint store and pick up the color chips from what room, you know, what the room was going to be painted and maybe mm-hmm. a couple coordinating pieces, you know, take the, the person who's going to get it with you to help them get a better idea. And it was a little easier for them to shop, but kind mm-hmm. of a springboard for choosing their fabrics. And then they got to enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah, that's a great idea because I think that the people who don't quilt, when you see the fabric with all the patterns on it, I think it's a little confusing because they're not used to working like that. But a paint chip is like that solid color they're used to seeing. Yeah, and they they're kind of have an idea of what the room is going to look like, and mm-hmm. it just it makes it easier. And you know, you know, you can see tell somebody that you want your paint chip wall is gray, but the range of gray is so mm-hmm. wide that it's hard to kind of narrow in with it. But I think it's the accent colors that are usually the hardest to do. Mm-hmm. My my sister Sue, you know, she's she's really smart about stuff. And yeah. <laughs> she used to make um <laughs> when her boys her all of her boys uh friends were all getting married at the same time. So mm. Sue made the same <laughs> wedding quilt for everybody oh, wow. who got married for about five years. And oh, wow. she was um yeah, she she was she was very generous. 
Um, uh-huh. She used the uh, pattern from uh, one of Terry Atkinson's book called The Little Red Hand. That was the pattern in it. Mm-hmm. And she made it so many times that she, when she was shopping, she didn't even need a list of fabrics anymore. She knew that she needed <laughs> all the different amounts that she needed and what kind of contrast she needed. And uh-huh. it would just take her a, a couple minutes to pull it together and usually just a few days to put the quilt together. Um, she usually tried to find out what colors the couple liked, but mm-hmm. she wasn't stuck on matching things. Mm-hmm. Or if they had mm-hmm. a hobby that, that they liked, you know, she kind of went toward that hobby. But, boy, her her process was simple. And that yeah. was uh, that was really, it was fun to watch what she came up with. You know, I think that that's a really a smart way to go is to go a little bit simpler if you're going to be doing things uh, and, and, and re- repeating. I, I know, and also, don't, I, this is a story from when I was in, in the office, you know, worked in a corporate office and we were going to make, mm-hmm. my girlfriend and I were going to make one of our coworkers who was a male, uh, the quilt for he and his, his future bride. And so he told us what they would like. And then we found out, you know, she didn't like those colors at all. Oh, no. And uh, <laughs> so might, uh, yeah. you might talk to the, lady of the house you know coming up instead of instead of your guy co-worker because oh my goodness we were like all righty there there you go well you still have it so enjoy that's <laughs> yeah what are, you, what are you supposed to do at that point yeah you just you know we just moved on it didn't bother us really we kind of got a giggle out of it because we knew him super well so he liked it and that was what was important we didn't let it bother us well my mom always made um a lot of cabin quilts for Special people like her godchild, whenever they mm-hmm. got married, they got a log cabin quilt. And mm-hmm. it was something that the cousins always looked forward to. And those of us who didn't get one, including me, um, <laughs> didn't get a log cabin quilt from Aunt Helen. They were always kind of jealous of those who did. So, you know, mm-hmm. everybody, if you kind of have a, a thing going, you know, that makes it easier for you to make those gifts, mm-hmm. it's a lot more fun and a lot easier. And something people look forward to. Yeah, that's true. You know, they would just say, you know, oh, they're going to get this from Aunt Sue. You know, like they always get the same sort of thing. It becomes like a family tradition almost. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I when was... it comes to holidays and stuff too, or sometimes mm-hmm. baby quilts. You know, sometimes it, the fabric doesn't always matter, but mm-hmm. it gives you that opportunity to just really enjoy making the project and thinking about the person that's going to and and having fun thinking about the surprise. Mm-hmm. What what about getting the, these done on time? Because that is where I think a lot of people struggle. One of the things somebody in my group was talking about how she was doing a T-shirt quilt for her son, and it sort of got, you know, she got stuck, I guess. And it wasn't like ten years after he got out of college that she finally picked it up and it got got it done, which is kind of. You know, you feel bad. Like, she probably felt bad. She probably wanted to finish it sooner. Uh, so, you know, those deadlines are wicked. Yeah, but, it, you know, it really helps to have a firm deadline. Um, mm-hmm. So for us, because my son and daughter-in-law don't don't live nearby, they had two baby showers planned for the same day. And mm-hmm. so we knew the date <laughs> of the, those showers. And mm-hmm. for me, what I did is I called my quilter, to find out what her debt, you know, what her deadline is, you know, like what's mm. the very last day I can have it to her so I can get it done and get it bound before the showers. So, um, you know, that, that really helped me because I had to comply with her schedule and then I had mm-hmm. to work furiously to get them both done in time for her deadline and, and, and it worked out, you know, really well. Um, I think too, when you are working on some of these projects, it's helpful to have uh, maybe a project that's not so complex. Um, mm-hmm. One of the one of the quilts I made for the showers, um, I had made a larger travel bag for the with a camping theme for the baby, mm-hmm. and I took my youngest son to the quilt shop with me to look for something to go with it to make a a, a, a smaller quilt. And he found mm-hmm. a really cute fox fabric where all the foxes, foxes were doing camping things. I oh. think it was a Michael Miller fabric, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to cut it up, and I had kind of that time constraint because I knew when I had to have it to the quilter. So I just purchased a a length of fabric that I thought was suitable and backing and uh, something for the binding. I had it quilted, and then I bound it. And it was easy, but it was really cute. And the quilter did a great job kind of echoing the theme. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was fun for me to see them. Actually, they're using that quilt right now 
Um, the baby likes it, and the cat seems to like it as much as the baby. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was fun to see. <laughs> it was fun to see that you know they're using it, laying on, laying the baby on the floor with it, or they've been snuggling mm-hmm. with the baby with it. So it was a, a really simple quilt. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is it doesn't have to be hard. It just has to be something that you enjoyed making. Right. And and sometimes if you don't maybe know the people quite as well, something that simple, they won't feel like they're messing it up. You know, oh, they yeah. can they can throw it in the wash. Like you said, the cat can enjoy it as well. You know, like it's like yeah. everybody can get in the act. Um, you know, so, you know, the, the – uh, the, the part about giving the quilt, well, how have you given them? How have you pa- uh, per- packaged it up, like, to as a present? Like, what kind of containers? Um, let me think here. So, f- for the camping one, the 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 bag was really big. So I mm-hmm. rolled the uh, the quilt up in there, and I tied it with a piece of salvage, and mm-hmm. put that in the bag. And I also had made them some uh, birth cloths that had mm-hmm. a camping theme, and rolled each of those up in there. And I had, a, of course, I had a book, and I put mm-hmm. that in there. So I used the the, uh, the travel bag as the, um, the the gift wrapping and stuff. And but I don't remember <laughs> what I did with yeah. that bear quilt. And that was only February. Yeah. And I have I can't even remember back that far. Um, well, one of the things I've done with a bigger quilt is go and get a storage box. Like we had oh, the quilt great. for our coworker was king size, uh, log mm-hmm. cabin, black and white with a red center. And, uh, that we put in one of those great big storage boxes cause it fit. And, mm-hmm. you know, we with, we were really tickled with ourselves cause we thought that was easy. Then they could use the storage box too. That's a good idea. I know some people will make pillowcases to go with the quilt and they'll mm-hmm. fold one up and then f- put that in the quilt in uh, the pillowcase and either tie the top or something like that. Um, and that's a nice presentation as well, kind of gives a, uh, a glimpse of what's what's to come inside there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this, you know, this has been so much fun, Roseanne, you know, really being able to talk through like how to do these special quilts. There's just uh, so many wonderful uh, tips Tips from you. You have a lot of experience. I thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll catch you next time. All right. Thanks a lot. Glad to be on the show, Pat. Thank you, Roseanne. You can follow Roseanne on Instagram. She always shows really fun things. I'm Pat Sloan. You can follow me at Facebook at Quilt Along with Pat Sloan. You can come join my group. Come over to my YouTube channel and watch my fireside chats. And uh, follow allpeoplequilt.com wherever you hang out. This is uh, Pat Sloan. We'll chat next time. Hi, all, and thanks for listening. If you love the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.